0: Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, which is the first part in a special series on careers in LD, I'm speaking with Lexi Hockaday, who is Junior LD Product Manager, and her line manager, Anne Marie Burbage, both from Utility Warehouse, about what it means to be starting off a career in LD these days. This topic was suggested by a listener, Annie Coulson, so thank you, Annie. And Before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us, and thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Anne-Marie, Lexi, welcome to the Learning and Development podcast.
1: Thanks, David, for having us. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited.
0: Fabulous. Um, Now, not too long ago, starting your journey in L&D would have meant say a training apprenticeship to develop and hone the essential skills of a trainer, uh, perhaps from delivery first, then to design, uh, then into analysis and evaluation. Um, but to kick us off, uh, perhaps not the easiest question to kick us off, is this still necessary? Um, Lexi, if we can uh, start with you, how has how your experience and development so far compared with this? And do you think that developing the training skill set is necessary uh, at the beginning of your lnd career
2: yeah it's an interesting question um in some ways my experience was similar um and in others it's been quite different so for me when i joined lnd i pretty much skipped that design part and i went straight into de- to delivery mm-hmm. um and that was the reason i was brought in at the time the business was increasing the amount of people that they were recruiting. Um, and there was a program already designed to get these new hires up and running. It was already fully formed. Um, but it was designed in a way that required a trainer to deliver the entire thing face to face. So straight into that delivery, skipped the design, didn't really understand why I was delivering what I was delivering, but I went ahead and did it. Um, mm-hmm. And I often hear you talk about l like L&D professionals loving being at the center of the stage almost. Mm. Um, but it wasn't the experience I had at all. I didn't get that thrill that you talk about a lot. I didn't mm. love it. Um, I think there were, there were reasons for that because as someone that's grown up in a digital world, um, the the face-to-face classroom delivery, it, it just felt like I was stepping back in time. Um, mm. I remember one bit of feedback that we got was a person telling me that it felt like they were at school um, and not like they were getting geared up for their new job. Um, and then there was the data out the back of it that was showing us that when people left this classroom programme, um, they were going out to do the job and they were struggling because we were we were getting great feedback that they loved us as a training team. Um, But when they had to do the job, they got so much information up front that when um, they needed to go out into the business and have impact, um, it was almost too much. Like they were overwhelmed with information. Um, So the program was not really delivering what it was there to do. Um, And we weren't supporting them when they needed us the most. Um, And I think similar to Adam Harwood talks about this a lot, but the, the whole thing, it just felt wrong. But where I was so young and, and inexperienced in L&D, it really was kind of my first job. Um, I couldn't put my finger on it at all. Um, I just knew it didn't feel right. And then, like, for me, there were two real sort of turning points in this getting into L&D journey. And the first one was Anne-Marie coming into UW and joining the team um she joined and suddenly like opened this digital door um, i had this amazing role model um, and i hadn't had necessarily before um, she knew her staff um, she spoke about things that i'd never heard before and it was really energizing to be part of that team again and to have um, new opportunity in LD. Mm.
0: um
2: And then that sort of brings me on to where I got a little bit more into the design side of things. So I went backwards um, and I dipped my toe in the e-learning water, which is what I think a lot of people do. Um, But it wasn't long after that um, that we started to move into much more varied digital mediums like video and things like that. And um, we then were still faced with this challenge. So we were trying to move out of classroom delivery into mm. the digital world of it. But we had this old fashioned LMS, which was suited to hosting e-learning and pretty much nothing else, which brings me back to the, the two pivotal points in my L&D career. And the second one you'll be pleased to hear um, was when we got LUPIN at UW, mm. which provided us with a platform that allowed us to host information, knowledge, know-how, all of the guidance that people needed in one space that was easily accessible. I remember one of the things that I got so excited about was the search function, Mm. (laughs) because it was like having work Google for the first time, um, and meant that we could give people the help they needed, but in the context of UW. and then, of course, the the campaign feature in LOOP, it allowed us to tailor the content that we sent to people um, mm. and really focus on their needs as individuals as opposed to sort of taking a blanket approach. Um, I think where, where my career was a little different, my experience and development in L&D to what you initially described, um, is that I actually already had a lot of the digital skills I grew up in a digital world and so I didn't really have to learn that so much. What I did have to learn was how to implement that at work as opposed to just living it every day. Um, And for me, I had to really focus on learning the L&D as opposed to learning the digital. And so in answer to your question, do, do you still need to go through that delivery design kind of evolution I I think in a very different way I think Mm. before delivery and design would mean classroom and now it's actually how do you apply these L&D principles to stuff that you might potentially already know because it's just been part of your life growing up
0: yeah yeah that is that's really interesting Lexi you know you, you mentioned Adam there and um uh, I remember having a conversation with him um, many years ago, and him you know, describing what, uh, what you've just done there. And the reason it resonates is because I had those moments. You're standing up there in front of a room, you can see people are really enjoying what you're saying, but you've got something eating away in your back of your head. You're saying, this isn't helping you. You're having a nice time but this isn't ultimately helping you, and I felt like a fraud. And uh, you know, and uh, I'm not saying that that was exactly Adam's um, wording, but that was certainly the uh, the sentiment. And since then, I've heard more and more people um, uh, having similar aha moments. So it's, uh, it's very interesting that, uh, that you've got something comparable there. And this is why I'd love to come to you, uh, Anne-Marie, um, because I'd love to ask, um, to gain your opinion as, uh, as, as head of L&D. Um, how relevant do you think the training apprenticeship is now, um, as I mentioned you know first becoming a trader trainer and then building on that core skill set from uh, from there? or do you think that it's a, it's a disadvantage these days?
1: Um, I mean I wouldn't say it's a disadvantage. I think the, one of the beauties of learning and development is that you can come in from any number of routes and so mm. there's potentially the, the you know, what you call the learning apprenticeship can still be relevant. Um, it's not automatically irrelevant, um, but there's something more fundamental around mindset and mm. knowing that um, whatever route you come in with, there's stuff to learn. And you're going to have to build on that skill set. So whether you come in for maybe a more a technical background, and we'll get into some of this later, but... Um, whatever background you come in with knowing that you you'll have stuff to learn and that's kind of a mm. fundamental L&D principle right so it's not um it's not it's not automatically irrelevant i didn't follow that traditional trajectory in so my background mm. was more hr a generalist yeah. hr roles um, business but i really credit that variety and breadth of experience
0: mm. with
1: um what what makes means that i'm looking for that business impact because I'm, mm. I've am i not spent my time purely in a learning space where it's focused on inputs, yeah. much more, you know, looking at what what's the outputs, what are the things we're trying to achieve, what are people trying to do that they're struggling with, what's the business trying to achieve, um, and focusing on that as opposed to what are we putting in, what's this training that we're putting in, or this course that we're delivering. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's, it's irrelevant. So anybody who's sat in a kind of training role right now doesn't mean they can't. Um, take on a broader learning and development role but but you, you need to know that there's some gaps in there and, and what they are.
0: Yeah I think one of the, one of the key elements is what you described there, the mindset. I wonder whether um, by experiencing the traditional training apprenticeship, we frame our value to the organization in terms of how we, deliver value and if you know use the word there deliver value if that's in the the format of um programs of isolated skill sets and knowledge um that we believe can be delivered in a certain way that is sticky enough that may impact the way that people work even if we don't know the job that they do and all of the things that perhaps are associated with um the uh the 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 traditional training approach mm-hmm. I wonder whether our frame of the value uh, that we that we offer is perhaps limiting uh, does limit our ability to to think more broadly about what that that might look like and again is that does that resonate with you Anne-Marie
1: um yeah it does and I think look fundamental to this is learning and development and training are not the same yeah. thing
0: <laughs> that's right um,
1: and you know training is a tool and this is you know we talk about this so it's one of the tools in the kit bag it's not the kit yeah. bag and mm-hmm. um you know i'm I'm a massive fan of all the strength stuff so when you come in if you've had that um background where you've you've spent time training what's that taught you what have you learned what strengths what skills have you built in that space and that's all that can be all relevant and bring it with you um and I forget what you say just now what was your what was your lead into this sorry
0: <laughs> uh, yeah so so it's about it was about the uh, the the frame of the value that we bring yeah uh, so 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 if we if we've become highly skilled at um working a room and uh, and extracting from individuals what we wanted in association with the content and the program, does that then limit our ability or or perhaps Frame out our intention to develop ourselves when it's much more around uh, product management and project management at a at a perhaps more uh, at a higher level uh, these days in uh, in learning and development.
1: And if you're coming at a conversation where I'm going to need to deliver a thing for you in order mm. to fix the, this thing that's going on, or you're going to come to me with an order and I'm going to deliver you a something in in response to that order that you've given me, you've kind of missed the point and we're too mm. far behind the conversation at that stage because, yeah. um, you know, we talk about L&D as order takers. But if, if there's been a conversation kind of taking place on at a business level and we've not heard the challenges, that people are encountering the problems, mm. the struggles, the what we're trying to do, what people are trying to achieve, and then the, maybe the performance or the capability issues in there. If we don't hear that, people are going to ultimately come to us with an order, because yeah. it's not that they don't want us to be involved, but they, they, you know, our customers of learning and development, the business or whatever, will come mm. to us with an order because that's what they've, what what they've seen needs to happen. That that team that does the training stuff needs to do some training stuff for us to deliver this thing. really if we're part of the conversation earlier on and hearing what they're trying to do in their words not in learning words these aren't Mm. learning meetings that are taking place these are business meetings that are taking place that we um are in and contributing to and hearing what's really happening and then it's our job to understand our role in that and not wait for the order to come through to us much more Mm. proactive much more proactive than that
0: and uh, Anne-Marie, Lexi mentioned earlier that uh, that it was uh, that it was your arrival in the team um, that that helped to uh, put into context some of the uh, some of the beliefs that that Lexi um, held there. And mm-hmm. from my perspective, you know, you've got a, a very modern and progressive way of thinking about L and D. I wonder if you could talk about how you came to think in this way. You mentioned your uh, your HR background, which may uh, be of relevance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but could you also describe how your team operates to bring your principles to life?
1: Yeah, you know, you make me bashful, you two, doing this um, because <laughs> you know. So, look, when I'm thinking about this, and um, I do the thing that makes sense to me, it feels mm. right. It feels like I'm adding value. And and if I if I don't feel we are, or if someone comes to me and says, "I'd like you to do this," and 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 I'm like, do you know, I, like I hear you, like thanks for coming to us, and um, talk to me a little bit more about what it is you're trying to do, and mm. then let me let me see how I can best help you get there. And, you know, I think that comes from a place of trust and relationship building and influencing and all of those sorts of things. But I, yeah, my, so my route in, yeah, I was generalist HR, studied business, never mm-hmm. particularly thought, I didn't grow up thinking my, I, I want to go into a learning and development, you know, I didn't write it off, of course, but it wasn't, it, it was somewhere I... I ended up, if you like, because I'd I'd done generalist HR, I'd done some recruitment, I'd done some payroll, I'd done some Mm. uh, generalist HR, I'd done some employee relations. Um, And I think at at the heart of a lot of learning and development uh, people is this desire to want to help people and yeah. support people and do the right thing. Um, and it's funny because, you know, you'd use the word progressive. And look, if that doing the right thing and being true to my kind of values and what I think is important and how I can add value to a business, well, look, if that's progressive, then, I'm, then let's call it progressive. Um, mm. But, you know, it's more about I always start I always start with what's the why? What are we yeah. trying to do? What are people trying to do? What's the business trying to do? So what, um, you know, what? what's that? sweet spot where people can be at their best in teams that are high performing in businesses that are successful and sustainable and innovative and great to do businesses with in in an industry that's you know with an eye on the future and kind of some of those more macro things what's that sweet spot and where's where what's our role in there Mm -hmm. so that does rely on an understanding of people as individuals how teams work how businesses work business impact commercial value um their language their you know what's important to them um like i said come back to it you know we don't have i don't really have learning meetings it's like just do Mm. your thing do your do your business do your thing and you know we're a part of that And, and it's one of the reasons why the route in for me is less important because um I think it's great when L&D can be kind of representative of the business, you know, it reflects rather yeah. the business. So if you've got the skills within the business, within L&D that are out in the business, I think that or the, the experience or the capabilities, it, it allows us to um, align with them and talk to them and mm. they trust us an awful lot more. And I think, you know, where, where, you're, where a learning and development team isn't kind of woven through and you're there in all of those conversations, you run the risk of being irrelevant and yeah. detached and coming at things with a learning hat, you know, a learning. And I say, mm. and these, these are things that I actually say in meetings, like talk to me, okay, well with my kind of learning hat on, um, this is this is what my suggestions are, my thoughts are, my observations are. But then what I've also heard from you guys is that you're, you know, you're trying to influence, um, you know, whatever it is, whatever their measures are, whatever their key measures of success are. So while we, mm. whatever we're delivering, is it, is it aligned to all of that? So. Yeah, I think that's my my approach. It's always what's the why, what what's the evidence, why what's mm. the evidence for the thing that we're trying to do, um, both on a people and a business level. But um, and we need to understand what's going on at all of those levels. Um, I'm quite, you know, I've always got quite an eye on the commercial impact and whether that's because mm. of the business background or the HR background. I'm not sure. It's just, it's just, it just makes it's really hard, isn't it, to articulate the thing that makes perfect sense to you.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, And but I'm also, you know, look, I come from a really collaborative place as well. Like this, Mm. L&D is not stuff that happens in isolation in some office somewhere with their own little platform that does its thing. It it's there. It's happening. Learning's happening all the time, and I think you you'd have to ignore that. You know, we talk about Lexi mentioned earlier, workplace Google. Um, People are resourceful, right? They'll find a way. So if your learning teams not there, support or your L&D teams that not there um just helping move these blockers or barriers or helping them find their ways of doing their thing. How can them perform? They'll, they'll find their own way. It's just, where can we maybe fast track that? Where yeah. can we draw themes? So where someone over there is doing a great thing because they've worked out this is what helps them make progress in what it is they're trying to do. Can we build communities around that? Can we mm. grow that? Can we share that? Can we talk about that a lot more? And, you know, to silos, break those down and, and encourage the conversation. Yeah. um so the next part of that question was so how does the team work that brings yeah. my principles to life so i've got a few a few thoughts on that really i think the the first one is it's something in the language and the structure and the roles that we have in the team so we we have a partnering team and mm-hmm. their role is very much to be really in the business in those operational conversations in those strategic conversations in those hr conversations so we really understand what's going on and they're kind of like the eyes and ears if you like really ingrained in what's going on. And then I have a product team, learning product team. Mm-hmm. Um this is this is still in quite early stages, the product team, but it's the it's the concept and it's the principles and it's the mindset that we're we're working on. Um, mm. So the the digital tech or the the whole learning toolkit really um and it might which is why I come back to it, whatever you come in to L&D with irrelevant relevance in whatever tech or whatever learning or whatever toolkit you've been using before mm. what comes over um the end user always always starting with what's the person on the end of this trying to do what's somebody yeah. what's somebody trying to do whats business trying to do um so what lexi will tell you a little bit more she's in the product team um mm. so then we do have principles and they again they are very much around um keeping the the End user or the human, the person at the heart of everything we do. So we, we talk about a lot about how would we like people to describe their learning journey or their experience with us or their work they're trying to do? You know, what would they say, you know, about things like relevance and personalized and there when I need it and available in the flow of work and just frictionless, just simple and easy. It's just there when I need it. And this is an inherent risk in L&D sort of, I think some of the best LD is super self like. We're not, um, right, yeah. yeah, we're not we're not that over like big um, conference hosting team necessarily. I'm not mm. saying there's not a place for that because there absolutely is. But a lot of the stuff um, that we do and plan to do is quite um, under the radar, if you like. And mm-hmm. that's the, the difficulty with that is how do you be stealth-like and just there when people need you whilst communicating your value and making sure that's that right. people know that you're there. So there's that. Um, we, you know, another of the principles is around working really closely with the business. This is not, mm. l does not operate in isolation and, and shouldn't because how can you be, um, relevant? You need to really understand the business. Um, we adopted agile principles, um, what, well, probably in the last six, 12 months started. Mm-hmm. And this was really because I really wanted to focus around, you know, look, as things changed, I think the pandemic. Um, we we had all of a sudden a much more remote workforce, and we mm. intend to keep that. So our you know our principles around smarter working, a hybrid workforce. So we really had an eye on scalability, flexibility, and um, people working remotely, people working internationally. How we can make sure everything that we do is is relevant to all of our audiences, not just that one group of people who happen to come into the office Monday to Friday, nine to five, because there's less mm. and less and less of them. So again. Yeah a bit around business relevance but yeah so then that led to us adopting more agile approaches so that we could build test iterate and keep going around that loop quickly yeah um again coming back to that what's the why and and being able to really challenge whenever a request comes in or a conversation starts or whatever it looks like just nudging back gently but challenging mm-hmm. with positive intent okay so yeah. i look like, thank you for the thing that you've asked me for Help me understand more because I want to make yeah. sure. And it comes from a place of because I want to do right by you. I want yeah. to help you. I want to help solve the problem. But in order to do that, I've got to know what the problem is. Um, mm. And right now, because L&D shifting, I, I can't guarantee that someone's going to come to me with a beautiful articulation of a problem. We have to go back and say, well, look, can I, do you mind if I just hang out in this space a little bit more to learn a little bit more? So Because I might be mm. looking for slightly different things to you and and have that question but it's always with positive intent and people need to know know that um trust and then one of the things I think we've done a lot more is coming together as a team learning from Mm -hmm. one another sharing um we've got a role model what it is to grow and develop I think you know we'll come on to the concept of change I guess at some point but where things are changing we have to we have to work together and work our way through it and I think change is order of the day right now right
0: yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, that's, I mean, all of that's wonderful context, uh, Anne-Marie. And uh, coming to you, Lexi, I'd love to know what your role is uh, within that team there, and uh, perhaps some of the evolution uh, over the last uh, 12, 18 months um, uh, in, in your role and uh, uh, your activities and your uh, your capability.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so the product team at UW is a really exciting place to be. Um, I guess our role really at the moment is working closely with the business partners who are the real eyes and ears of L&D. Um, and as Annie mentioned, they're the people that are out in the business all the time, listening out for change um, and challenges that people are facing. But as a product team, our role is to really focus on the people who are affected by this change or who are using the L&D solutions. Um, whatever, we always talk about whether they're called solutions or not. Um, and yeah, our goal is really to focus on these people, understand their, the challenges they're facing, their needs, their behaviours and their motivations. Mm -hmm. Um, While at the same time balancing the needs of the business um, and keeping the organisational context um, understanding what we're working towards as an organisation and making sure that whatever the product that we produce is um, meets the needs of our users and keeps the users at the heart um, Mm -hmm. whilst also moving us in the direction of business goals. Um, then there is the tech aspect of the product team um, and I guess here it's about getting the most value out of the tech available. Um, it's about understanding how the tech available works um, and collaborating outside of LD where we need to with the developers tech team um, and I really kind of using the tools available to to deliver the value that's needed without over engineering. Um, mm. And I think over engineering is something I've definitely been guilty of in the past, especially towards the start of my career. Um and the final aspect, if I were to be succinct, would probably it would be the data aspect. And um, all of this is underpinned by data. But I would be lying um, if I said if I said we'd nailed this completely. It's what we're working towards, and I think it's a struggle that a lot of L and D teams have. Um, Our goal is to make sure all of our decisions and our design is underpinned by data, um, whether that's user data, business data. Um, But the challenge that we face is almost the accessibility of data. So what we're doing at the moment is testing, 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 um, using the results of those tests to inform our next decisions. We're really establishing our benchmark data but if I reflect on the past 12 months, we've we've come such a long way. And I'm so glad that we started when we did, um, mm. because otherwise we'd still be floundering around now, making poorly informed decisions. Um, yeah. And you've got to start somewhere, um, is what I would say. And then I guess what brings us to this, the, the whole thing has been a journey and we're still on the journey. Our goal is to deliver real business impact, drive performance, and change um and I don't think I think that goal has evolved over the course of Annie joining UW that's what she's here to do and then embedding that within the team is what's caused the journey to happen almost um we've had various changes over the past two years but all working towards that goal um, so, I think an uh, initial journey would touch on it earlier, but that moved into di- the digital space that actually gives you so much more data than you realize. Um, and then reaching out across the business more so we've worked so much more collaboratively now so we work with marketing we have great relationships in the marketing team um tech also um they've been amazing at supporting mm. learning and development um, but the whole thing has been a journey so i would say i think key things really were moving into the digital space, then branching outside of L&D. We were no longer just an L&D team. We're a collaborative team that works with experts across the business, and we don't need to know everything. And We need to bring the learning to the conversation. Um, But they've already got their expertise, and we can totally accept that we need to learn from them. Um, And that really kind of brings us to where we're at now. Um, We work in collaborative teams across the organisation. It's not just learning and development. We're user-focused. We work so much more closely with the people that we're designing our product for. Um, mm. We test absolutely everything that we release. Um, we take on feedback, we improve it, and I think the whole thing really is Annie's touched on it, but it's a mindset. Um, I think, I, I it's, for me, nothing's ever finished. Almost, and mm. um, we're always looking to improve. And I think historically, it would be like we've designed this program people pass the test at the end so it definitely works but for us we're much more consistently tracking data and accepting things take longer actually to get right but we can deliver value incrementally so that would be the journey
0: There's some, some wonderful stuff within there. I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to unpack it all, but some key elements there for me were that that you're testing in the absence of uh, complete data, which, which, you know, again, it adds a robustness to what it is that, uh, that you're, that you're trying to do. One thing that I've not heard you say, either of you at all, is that you deliver learning. I haven't heard that. there's a complete absence of that 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 you are integrated into the the business that you that that you seek to uh, that you operate with you speak their language you bring them with you uh, by talking about, with them about what's important to them and what they're trying to achieve as a result of that and then with your uh, with much more of an experimental mindset or an exploratory mindset you're looking to work with them in order to address that now there is an elephant in the room right now that I need to represent the listener and ask what are these products? If you could say, um, what are the most common products say you know, that, 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 you're, that you offer? Um, and of course, I can, you know, I can imagine that these are going to be very different, um, dependent upon the context and the, the people and the, the purpose. But could you say what the most, perhaps the, the top three most common types of products are?
2: Is got like me or Annie? <laughs> I
1: think.
0: <laughs> well,
2: you start, but I'm here. I'll back you up. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I honestly, I would say the most common product that we would produce would be something like a digital resource. Um, yeah. It's 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 the real MVP if we if we're going to go down that route. But um, things that are a digital resource made up of a few basic components is normally where mm. we start. And um, we draw in things from, we curate content, we create content too. um, And we provide really basic things like a template that's hosted Mm. in a resource, on loop, accessible easily. And there might be a video and we might also include a link to a podcast that's completely Mm. relevant to this topic. Um, But I would say like a a digital resource is our our absolute go-to um Mm -hmm. there is still um e-learning but it absolutely is because there is a time and a place for it but it is it isn't the default um although it is still digital um and i and i think e-learning of course it's typical it comes in with compliance but we are Mm -hmm. a really heavily regulated organization because we span across so many sectors um Mm -hmm. so there's absolutely still a need for that and then honestly the th- the third would still be some form of event whether that yeah. is a digital workshop um whether that is something that is face to face or whether we bring people together in a community like we've created our own loop group which is where we've Outsourced um, the ownership of workspaces in Loop across the organization, but we bring those people together to share best practice and experience, um, and also help them understand some L&D best practice for using Loop. Um, so mm-hmm. there is still space for that face to those face to face events, um, but it's it's about understanding why you're doing them. Um, the value that they they have for the person attending and also whether it it really is the thing that they need and and sometimes it is and sometimes they do need to learn from people but it's much less um, L&D are here to teach you and much more L&D are here to facilitate um, an opportunity you to learn from other people who are in your position um oh. and might be more experienced or they might have learned from past mistakes um and help people build a network so that they can reach out should they need to so yeah, yeah i hope that's answered your question i would say those are almost th- three common things
0: yeah no it could yeah completely does and and uh what i would um relate that back to as well because what you've just described there with the digital resource first could be alien to a lot of people and to uh d purists shall i say in inverted commerce uh, it sounds as if it might be a light version and not really um an in-depth learning solution but what i always say to counter that is if you know what the real problem is and you have data to back that up the solution can be really light and really specific and really designed at uh, affecting an outcome rather than something that is exhaustive, Im- uh, immersive, and may um, affect the uh, the outcome. Which which would be more of an instructional design um, uh, product rather than what you've got, what you've just described there, a performance and capability uh, product. What would you um, well, add, Anne-Marie?
1: And my question would be, why not go light? Why go heavy? Yeah. Like if light can do the job, it's better for mm. it's easier for us to deliver. It's more um, it, it's more easily kind of dealt with within an operation. So when people are trying to do their work, they're busy, right? People are busy trying to do a job. And um, who wants to go out on a two day training course in order to learn how to do this one thing that they've been trying to do when yeah. one simple answer to one simple question would do the job? Um, and that's not always to say that that answer to the question always hits the mark first off, but it's mm. a start. And are we on the right track? And then we test. So look, we, we perceive that this is the problem from the research and the the kind of the data and the, the user research that we've done. Here's a response to that. Are we any closer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. We'll carry on. Are we not? No. Okay. Right. Let's, let's go and see back in because you know, the stakes aren't so high when you've spent six months designing and deliver developing a four day training program to answer this thing. Of course, you know, you've got time, you've got money, you've all of that. You've got your reputation on the line that this is mm-hmm. going to work and, oh, it doesn't work. Yikes. Not like, ah. Um, so if it's little and it's a test and you position it, we position it all like this. We're super up front yeah. with people. Like, like let's have a go at something see if it works and if it does we'll carry on and if it doesn't then we'll we'll course correct or you know change mm-hmm. change i think you know for me one of the things and i really enjoy this it's the community building stuff right for yeah. other things we did really early on in when we all went into lockdown started working from home we we set up some communities for things like people managers like ah you're now managing a team who used to be right there in a room with you and now they're not ooh, like let's chat about this and share ideas mm. and share what's working um and really quickly instead of just sitting on your own in your home office or in your kitchen and thinking how am I going to engage in a team meeting with all these people or how am I going to talk give tricky feedback perhaps or whatever on on a one-to-one call there's a whole community of other people who also manage people trying to do the same thing so first yeah. off I'm not in it on my own and I'm instantly relieved to hear that I'm not the only mm. person having this problem right secondly oh that person's given something ago and it went horrendously wrong nice one i'm going to learn from that that person uh, or you know or somebody else has got a suggestion to make so um sharing knowledge sharing ideas sharing experiences even that um i've got this challenge and i don't know what to do has anyone got any suggestions for me mm. and you know being there to facilitate that conversation yeah you know that's not training that's not someone saying learning and development can you tell me how to have this tricky conversation with this thing no it's like there's a whole, and it's much more scalable because in, in yeah. reality, those communities could happen without us. Once yeah. you've set that up, that conversation's in place. And that's the, that's the goal in a way that, that they can, those communities get to a point where they don't need learning and development intervention. They could just mm. all come together and they, they build kind of their own networks. Yeah. And, you know, that would be kind of what success looks like to me that these things, this is just a way of working. And, you know, that's where like that, that, I guess is really where you're at when you're talking about learning culture. People mm. are just having the conversations and learning from one another. It's just happening. It's what we do at, at home. If you wanted to, I don't know, tile your battery, you'd go and find out how. You wouldn't necessarily sign up to a full-on tiling course to do it yeah. to repair your shower. And um, so why why oh so coming back to why not go light? Why go heavy when light will do?
0: Yeah. Yeah, completely. What what I love about what you've just described there is that in these times when we don't have visibility of our peers and of those people who perhaps do have the experience that we don't, um, then we miss out on the opportunity to role model. Now, if we just put learning and development aside right now and just act and talk like real people, we will admit that Role modeling is probably the most powerful development tool that we actually have. When you're in meetings and you see somebody doing some stuff, when you're working closely with somebody and you see how they operate, then you realize that they are showing you in the context that you're all expected to perform the expected and rewarded behaviors. And then you try some of those on and then you, and then off you go. Now, of course, let's put the learning and development hat back on and then realize that, that, that when we're in a classroom and we're getting people to role model like a role play and then be observed and all of that stuff. It is so minuscule, has such a minuscule impact in comparison to role modeling that what you're doing is you're just opening this up, realizing, right, okay, so all we do need to do here is open up those conversations and open up those channels for people to, to uh, extract and explore some of that tacit, knowledge and capability so that others can access it. Um, realizing, I've said this so many times on the podcast, that Mm -hmm. much more of learning and development in organizations is far less about education and technical expertise and far more about how you you deal with the culture in which you're expected to perform. And that culture is anything from how do you get the right stuff done around here? How do you uh, get support for your ideas and bring uh, other people with you? Right through to how do you use those spreadsheets here that have been cobbled together by your finance team, which has a cultural element because it's being developed here. So all of that stuff, when you admit that isolating skill sets, delivering generic content, thinking it's going to solve a problem when you don't understand the context is largely useless compared with that rich in context. What do successful people do here? when they face unfamiliar situations and challenges so yeah. Uh, again yeah you you I, i'm completely with you you can develop a light context rich resource that speaks specifically to the challenges people face which will be far more effective than that four-day program created by people who don't know your culture and don't know the expected and rewarded behaviours, which which might have its place, because four days off to you know to, to to indulge in the time to reflect and chat with colleagues and experience new ideas can be useful. But let's not kid ourselves; it's not it's not really going to affect performance in the way that we expect and that we can reliably predict. It's a space for reflection, if uh, if, uh, if 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 anything at all.
1: Yeah, and look, my my mindset is constantly don't write anything off. Yeah. When you're right at the beginning of this, you know, don't we talked about don't jump to solution mode. Like we don't know. What's mm. what are people trying to do? And what's the best thing for that? It could be a four day programme, it could be one paragraph in a resource. What yeah. are people trying to do? What is the question that people have got? I just mm. think just be careful with those bigger programs because the more the more time and more content that's in there, the greater the risk of a proportion of it being less and less relevant. To all yeah. of the all of the audience, so you know the more you can kind of break it down into bite sizable chunks, and and the, really one of the other kind of things that we've really got at heart is personalizing those journeys. So I, mm. you know, I'm this is a challenge for me, but that's not. So can I just do that and not that? Yeah, of course you can. Like I'm not going to mm. make you sit through hours of this module that it's not it's not going to help you. Although the flip side to that is actually, if you're really good at that, would you mind coming and sharing that with some people that yeah. have got some challenges around it? Like L&D are not the experts in all of this. We're mm. the experts in kind of um, enabling or facilitating or um, uh, you know helping this happen. He- understanding the problem, getting to the roots of it, networking and understanding where the solutions could be, what they could be, and putting the two things together. But in a, mm. in a little way first and checking you've got it right before you go big.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Um, and uh, Lexi, um, in what areas are you prioritising your development now? I can see from your LinkedIn that you're, you're studying or you have been studying with CIPD level five. So, so from uh, considering where you are in your, your L&D career and where, where you see your next step or two, uh, what areas um, uh, are you, are you prioritising?
2: yeah so it, the way when you mentioned my c i p d it's funny because wh- where I focus my development has changed so much over the course mm. of the past few years um when I started in l and d I just wanted to learn absolutely everything um <laughs> and I think by default, I actually ended up knowing very little about a lot um mm. but I, I really wanted initially to understand the theory behind a lot of the the L and D kind of stuff, and I, mm. I spoke about that a little bit earlier. In like, I, I had the digital understanding, but the learning bit not so much. Um, and then, honestly, there's probably so many reasons for that. I, I think L and D isn't really a profession that you learn about as at school. Like, learning and development isn't something that you hear anyone saying oh that's what I want to go into and um, I kind of just found it once I, I got into work um, but now that I have done my CIPD and I, I feel like I have got quite a good foundational understanding um, of some of the theory behind it all I'm much more focused on learning from other professions and also learning from people that I for me are learning and development role models um, which in itself, kind is a little bit challenging, and I'll go into why in a minute. But um, for for learning from other professions, there's a few that I'm really, really interested in. And um, there's the tech world, of course, and um, mm. the agile approaches they take, it's been a success there. So why would it not be a success in L&D? Mm. Um, and I'm really interested to see what's worked for them what hasn't where they're going next almost and why what's the reason behind this Mm. um another profession is definitely marketing because especially like with the rise of social media email marketing um the communications that are in front of us all day every day um I'm really, I I think that that's something that will definitely need to be applied to the future of learning and Mm. development. And I know that there's some organisations working towards that approach already, but I think there's so much potential there um, to help our product have much more impact. It's almost the marketing side of the product. Um, Mm. And then the other, the other area I'm super interested in is employee experience because I see learning and development as part of the overall employee experience. So really understanding where that fits in and, and how it can support people's growth journeys um, throughout their career. And then thinking of the learning and development role models that I have, um, this was something I I didn't really have at the start of my career because it is just something, again, I didn't really know, know it existed, which sounds so naive now looking back, but it's, it's, not something that you learn about at school Mm. um but now there's people that I absolutely love listening to I think most of them if not all of them have been on your podcast which is great Mm. um just to name a few would be Miles Runham um Mike Collins of course I love hearing from Mike Ashley Sinclair um Mm. obviously brings the marketing perspective that I'm really interested in and Barbara Thompson from a data Mm. perspective um does great stuff and talks about really cool stuff. And of course, yourself who bring all these people together <laughs> to have these conversations. But I'm also really fortunate that I have Annie or access to Amory all the time as my manager um, to help guide me when it when it's needed. Cause like I still have that kind of mindset that there's so much to learn and so much to know. Um, mm. that it can become a little bit directionless if if I haven't got Annie to help guide me a little bit.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Um, uh, My final question, um, uh, and I'd like to ask each of you individually, uh, perhaps start with you, Lexi. If you were to give advice to others starting out on their journey, perhaps in the first year or two of of their journey, what would you say to them to help them prioritize and develop themselves in the right ways?
2: This is such a good question. I kind of almost think, what would I say to my, my younger self here? Um, and it would be, don't be afraid of failing. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, just see everything as a learning opportunity. Um, I, I, I totally, I, I almost saw it as like a disappointment to myself at the start of my journey that something didn't go quite right or I got some constructive feedback that I'd absolutely failed. But mm. now I and really trying hard to see that as an opportunity to make something better um and if if you fail earlier on then you can learn quick and improve quicker um and ultimately add more value um i think the second piece of advice would be look outside your organization into the wider world and um and find your flavour of L and D. What works for you? Um, what do you identify with? And what energises you and excites you? And then just delve further into that. Um, and the last thing really would be find role models because when you when you're really early in your career, and I, and I know that you don't love this phrase, but you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking from quite a a young and inexperienced perspective. There's so many skills that you lack. um, Just honestly being able to talk to people as colleagues um, and not friends, things like that. So look for role models and and listen to them and don't be afraid of speaking to them. I think it's quite easy to idolise people when you're quite young and and you see people as all-knowing and... And it's easy to forget that they've actually been on a very similar journey to yeah. you, even if their experience is different. There was a point in time when they didn't know anything. Um, That's right. And they obviously have been fearless. They've probably had challenges at times and, and um, they've overcome them. And, and speaking to people like that can help you overcome those challenges or at least navigate them um, mm. with the insight and experience that they have.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Uh, so so much great advice. Thanks, Lexi, and uh, and and you, Anne Marie. What advice would you give to, to those starting out on their uh, L and D journey?
1: Yeah, it's great advice. I'll listen to some of that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and do you know what? The only thing I'm going to pick up on is on when you said fearless, and you know, I've not been. There's been times when I've plen- felt plenty of fear, and mm. there's been times when I've known what the right thing to do is, but I've been I've been like, oh no, but that's not what you do in learning and development. Where's my training? It's like you've got to stay. You know, you feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, look, I, I'm, yeah. I'm. I know that I'm not necessarily giving them what they want right now, but um, I, I know I'm sure there's a way of giving them what they need if, I, if only I can just get to the bottom of that and build the trust. So, um, ah, there's fear. We've all got fear, right? And I, but I think mm. it's not being afraid of it, and don't let it stop you. Let it ask the question. But then, therefore, don't make the stakes so high, um, yeah. and so start small. And think, like, I'm just going to try this thing and see where I get to. And um, so I think, you know, for me, I'll come back to it, I'll say it time and time again. It's it's a mindset thing. It is absolutely holding that mindset that it is, well, it, if I couldn't fail, if I knew I couldn't fail, what would I do? Like, what? Mm-hmm. And be really open to all of those options. Um, start with self awareness to really think, what have I, whatever I've come from, whatever experience I have or have not got so far what do I know? What can I do? Where am I now? And then, mm. you know, thinking about all the things like role models and exposing yourself to what, you know, find your tribe, what's going on out in the industry, but also be really open to not, you know, not just learning and development. So Lexi's mentioned things like marketing tech, um, you know, put more industry-based stuff So learn about business awareness, commerciality, you know, be able to read a PL, and um, mm. understand kind of, you know, cost and those sorts of things. I think some of that business commercial acumen is quite valuable. Mm. So understand where you're trying to get to and then and then what's the gap and just take some steps, right? The first first yeah. things first, what is the next right thing to do? Well I think it's worth mm. me learning a little bit more about this. But again, don't go heavy when you can go light. Um, and yeah. start with something. So don't overwhelm I guess yourself with like Lexi said there's so much and there is so much. And I'm learning every day. You know I've been in this mm. industry quite a while but I learn all the t- Lexi's got me on TikTok. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> but some of this sort of, you know, some of the, the digital stuff, it's not, it's not my background, but, uh, mm. you know, I've, I've, I've learned enough. And I think it's about with those sorts of things, learn enough so that, um, play to your strengths, play to your yeah. strengths and focus there, but make sure that the gaps that you've got are good enough, that they don't hold mm. you back. Um, um. Yeah, I think that's probably summarises what I would, that would be my advice. Give it a shot. Mm. Um, I think it's quite good. A bit of advice I always give to people starting out in, in careers, like we've done kind of career coaching and things like that, is Like, have a look. Look at job adverts. Look at what people yeah. are looking for. So any, all jobs, so anything, if, if you know it's learning and development you want to go into, look at all of the adverts that you see for people who are recruiting, and you will you will start to see there is a difference in role, difference in some roles, difference in tone, difference in organisations, um, mm. the mindset leaks through the language that they use in these in through their recruitment. Um, so just that that is learning in its own right. Your your understanding what what the breadth of learning and development is in terms of role and scope and position in their business.
0: Wonderful. Um both of you sharing such valuable advice it's uh you know the listener can't help but uh, but take a great deal from it um well that's all all that's left for me to say is um Lexi and Marie thank you very much for being guests on the learning and development podcast
1: oh you're welcome thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: starting your career in L&D can be as daunting as it is exciting especially with so much turbulence in the profession as well as wider society but the experience and advice shared by Lexi and Anne-Marie will help you to future-proof your skills and career, as well as help you develop a reputation for getting results from your practice. Remember to look out for the next two episodes in this series, stepping up to LD manager and becoming an LD leader. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed as Annie Coulson did, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now.